this is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And I'm in a pretty cool spot today. I'm actually in the store and the hub of iBobs. iBobs was founded in 2001 by Julie Allenson because I can read a website. Ha ha ha. And I'm here with Mike. Did you say it's Hollenstein? It's Hollenstein. Hollenstein. Yes. And you are the heir apparent to the iBobs I don't even know if that's company. possible, but I'll take it. Yes, I am the CEO here at iBobs. How long have you actually worked here? I've worked here for almost three years. Okay, and where did you come from? I worked, I've worked at a lot of direct-to-consumer companies like Duluth Trading, Sportsman's Guide. And I like Duluth Trading. And yeah. Uh, the Sportsman's Guide, at one point I think we were going to do some printing work with them because I had a oh. printing company, but... Your background kind of explains what's happening a little bit at iBobs because people feel very proprietary about this company because it's Minnesota-made, Minnesota-grown, and you guys have a location on Glenwood. And you were in Glenwood before Glenwood was cool. Let's just go there. That is true. Before there was any like Bassett Creek talk, you guys were over here manufacturing stuff, right? (laughs) And that's all Julie and Paul, the founders. Yeah, they they saw they had a vision for this area long before many did. They did, and then. I almost bought a building um, over where now uh, Ladonia is. Oh, cool. And there's talk of like the light rail coming through here at some point. So this will be a great spot for you. Mike, I can see why iBobs was appealing as a company to come in, but I can see sort of your fingerprints all over what is going to be the next iteration of iBobs. So can you tell me a little bit about the story is Julie couldn't find readers that she liked, and so she started designing eyeglasses. Exactly. With no experience in eyewear. And what's so weird about that is that in the day, like you went to just the pharmacy or the convenience store and picked up a pair of readers and nobody cared what they looked like. Exactly. It was a means to an end. And they were hideous. Pretty much. And they still are. Many are. Many still are. I, I hate to say that, but many still are. And the good news about them was they're cheap enough that you could have like 12 pairs all over your house. True. But- as someone who's kind of getting into my later years, having a good pair of glasses and being able to see your phone, read, drive, yeah. that feels like a really important thing. Yeah, you know, and I want to address that question first, yeah. and then I'll get back to your original question. But I think what's wonderful about iBobs, uh, there's many things that are wonderful about iBobs, but what our customers find is they don't need 12 pair because they take better care of these glasses because they're just better. Yeah. Right? If you can have 12 pair or you can have one or two. Yeah, or maybe and five. Really our average just... customer does have five. Let's be let's be honest. Here. Is that really true? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's totally customer... me. I think I honestly in my car right now have six pairs of glasses they, between sunglasses and two. Oh, you had two eyeballs. Two. Great. Excellent. And I had two before. Oh, cool. I kind of yeah, I had two before. So go but back your, to the original yeah, the question. The original question was, what are we doing here, and how has it changed? And kind of Julie, what led to that? Uh, led to who we are today. So Julie saw that 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 white space. You're right, Walgreens. Your CV, CVS, they all sell basic readers, right? She saw an opportunity to be different and to ultimately make a pair of glasses that helped you be your true and authentic self and do it in a bold and unique way. Was she a creative person? Uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. I don't. She has definitely had the entrepreneurial spirit. I think from day one, she grew up in Iowa on a farm, and um, I think that was always part of who she was and still is today. Um, but ultimately, I think it, it really took over after she had worked for some big companies and then worked for some smaller companies mm-hmm. after that and decided, I want to do something different and bring something to market that I love that and she loved um, and has had a ton of success over those the first 14 years of the, of the business before she decided to, uh, to sell it to Norwest Equity Partners, another local firm here in town. Okay. Yeah. So good for her that she sold it. Yeah. I always love when an entrepreneur gets to that 
final part of the story, right? And so now you get it and you're working for an equity company, which isn't always like the best experience for some people because you're either going to blow up the brand. Mm -hmm. And I mean, by that, take it and make it huge. Or sometimes people have a hard time making that transition from entrepreneur to equity partner to what's next. Right. That's obviously why they were attracted to you. I think, right. I think ultimately, so that, that transition, you've heard all the horror stories of some of the, the private equity firms sure out there, and we all have. And I will tell you that we are so fortunate to have a great owner. And I would say that even if they, I don't even know if they'll listen to this podcast, yeah. but I would say <laughs> it even if there was risk that they would or, or wouldn't. Um, they have proven to be an exceptional partner to IBOPS. And what does that mean? That ultimately, they have taken a conservative approach to growing this business and giving us the time to really build what we know it can be. And that is building a, a brand that has relevance. And our marketing team has done a phenomenal job with the Meet the Makers campaign, which I, I hope yep. we can talk about. I'm we excited can. to talk about. And they under, they see the vision for this brand better than most. And they're also, so that's really Norwest Equity Partners' approach. Build real value. Don't take two years, make it look pretty, and then sell it. They're all about building real value. Which is unusual for I, an yeah. equity firm, for I, the most part. I think part. you're right. I think you're right, for the most part. But um, that's why it's so great. We, have, we had a board meeting yesterday. And they are so supportive um, of what we're doing here. And it's really nice to have them be local because they can come to our stores and see what we're doing on a weekly basis. Um, but I will tell you, they're, they're fantastic partners. And we're fortunate to have them as our owners. Can we just talk about eyeglasses for a second? Sure. Because it's one of those weird industries where let's just like go back to when Julie started, 2001. Yeah. And you would buy a pair of eyeglasses and they were usually like $400. They were very expensive. Then you would get your prescription lenses, which were another, you know, $150, $200. To get out of the eyeglass store, you were probably in the three to $800 range, depending on your prescription and the level of style that you were getting. That really changed with the advent of the internet and with the advent of these companies that would take your measurements online and be able to quickly manufacture a pair of glasses for you. Did the manufacturing of eyeglasses change or just someone saw that opportunity to make a less expensive glass, to knock off a bunch of designers and to do it that way? I think the manufacturing and manufacturing of it hasn't changed. It really hasn't. It's the channel by which glasses are sold. So there was that much profitability in the original $800 purchase. There was, and there were a lot of hands in that $800 purchase, right? So you have the manufacturer who has a brand who sells through wholesale to a eye doctor or a, uh, an optical store yep. who then goes to a, a local lab. It could be an Essilor lab or it could be a local lab. And they add a bit of profit on top of that. And then they ultimately get to a price that was still pretty good margin. Yep. And um, I, that still is in place today. Uh, and I think the, the reason why it's changed, and candidly, it really hasn't changed that much. We hear a lot about online retailers and we hear um, a lot about low prices, and we see a lot of ads and two for one and all of that. But the, re- the reality of it is, most glasses are still sold at local doctors and some of the big players in the market. So there, there is still a lot of opportunity for brands to go direct to consumer, okay. whether it's through retail or through the internet. But the majority of people still want to try it on. And it is kind of a thing. Like I got a pair of eyeglasses um, here. And there was a prescri- I gave my prescription and they were like, oh, 
you know, your doctor's signature isn't visible on this prescription. And I'm like, wow, that's so funny that like getting a pair of eyeglasses is like a prescription product when I can probably get Valium, Oxycontin and whatever else just on the internet. You know what I mean? I (laughs) was like, wow, that's so interesting that they're still treating eyeglasses like medicine. It's a medical device. It's classified as a medical device. So yeah, that, that is very true. And I think that there are there, if you could, and I don't know if you personally, Mike, will ever get to change this or iBobs, but really, I mean, unless you have like really prescription issues, yeah, it's not a medical advice. It's almost like an accessory. Well, I think that ultimately eye health is really important and we have to go to doctors and it's okay that it's it, a, a prescription only lasts a year or two years, depending upon the state you live in. You need to have good eye health. And doctors, that part of it is absolutely a requirement. And we have to be really careful to make sure that we're working with reputable labs. Yeah, because you are retail, but you're also caring for people's eyes and being consumer-facing. Absolutely. And to me, a pair of glasses is about the frames. We are a frame company. Yeah. We make sure that we partner with the world's best labs to make sure that we're correcting vision and we have the the highest quality lenses. But at the end of the day... We're a frame company and it is an accessory. Does it surprise you how many people like have one pair of glasses? Shocking. Yeah, because like you. (laughs) How can you? And it is an accessory. Like you have 12 shirts, you have more than one belt. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So why wouldn't you have 10 pairs of glasses? Yeah, so what what excite you asked a little bit about how I got here, why I'm here. I I think what I didn't wear glasses before I started here. My my vision, you know, it's starting to get not so good. So I do now wear glasses and I never knew what a pair of glasses could do for a person. I never understood that, but it can change your life. And how in the world could you have one pair of glasses on the most personal thing about you? You walked in and you looked at me and you judged me, right? Those are interesting glasses. Or yeah. His hair's a little messy or, boy, he's tall. Or- and glasses, like, you you can have statement glasses. You can. Uh, particularly as a woman, I used to think, and I don't know that I still feel this way, but I thought if I wore glasses, it made me look more serious, more smart, especially in the business world. Yeah. Yeah. I think what we, the, how we view glasses here is it really can help you be your true and authentic self. When we see a customer, you were here yesterday, so yep. you got to see some people being framed. Um, literally, you can see their shoulders go back. And you can see them kind of come out of their shell. A pair of glasses can actually make you be a more confident, authentic version of yourself. And we talk about this all the time here. We, we, we're all about being our true and authentic selves because I don't want to be around phony people. Okay, I but people I'm going to pick at that their, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, please do. And you guys I'm ready. have a, you, because sometimes I think when we talk about being our true and authentic selves, yeah. the fact that we even have to talk about it means we're not because we're we're having to like describe it and explain it. But I actually got a little bit of a tour of the makers campaign that you guys are doing. And what I loved about that campaign, there's a woman in the campaign whose name I can't remember. She was kind of a tattooed woman, probably, um, late forties, probably. And had really curly hair. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the pictures that are in the campaign. And I knew right away by looking at them that, she had not been styled. And so when you talk about authenticity and we're listening to this podcast, people yeah. are probably like, oh, yeah, he's talking about yeah. authenticity, which means it's not true. But I can tell you, based on seeing these ads and seeing the way that you're bringing this to market, you really are striving to get people yeah. to be exactly who they are. So I'd love to talk about that. Um, I think you have to talk about it because it's so rare. I think it's such a rare thing that people feel like they can be their true and authentic self all the time that it has to be talked about. So the, I agree, the fact we're talking about it 
is really it being in a, could be perceived as being inauthentic. But it, because it's so rare, people feel that they can't be their true and authentic self. They can't talk about the things that are running through their mind. We here at, at IBOBS have something called radical candor. You say it. I need to come work here. That's that my life. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which I appreciate. Sometimes to a fault, Mike. Yeah. But so from day one, when we really kind of, when I became CEO, we thought about how do we best represent who we are? And it's, it was, has always been, I've been in direct mail. I've been in uh, e-commerce. Direct I, mail. I know, right? I'm dating myself. Where did like, you work? Did I you worked work at Land's at... End. That's one of the okay. first companies I worked for long, long ago. Kind of the one of the first real direct mail yeah. companies, right? Um, but what I always disliked was the fact that they used the same models. And these people never wore Land's End clothing. Come on, right? Yeah. So what when we started this push to best represent our glasses on real people it was imperative to me to show all of their beauty their flaws and who they are authentically and then talk about their failures and their successes so the marketing team did a wonderful job we found some really great people here in minneapolis which um and kim uh, doug flicker um the guy who owns jaime's haberdashery i can't remember his name yeah anthony that's it yeah so um what was exciting for us was to show them in their all their glory and not do the things that some companies would do to hide some of their uniqueness and their authenticity. But more importantly to me, it's about telling their story. I love telling their stories, their successes, their failures, where they are in their life today. And, and I th- have to say our photographer did a phenomenal job right. of capturing them in every different type of part of their life so yeah we're really proud of that and the interesting thing for us is they all got our brand they understood our brand and they 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 were excited about it yeah which is important to me too i don't want to just have people that are going to come in and get their photos taken hopefully get some publicity or get paid or whatever it would be i want people that really love the brand because that comes through in all of our creative you have um the mall of america store you have the store here on glenwood that's also the headquarters, and then you have a store in Ridgedale. We do. And you're opening some stores in some other states. In the other states, are you using the same marketing campaign? Absolutely. Everything is consistent, and we hope to, we don't hope to, we will do similar uh, shoots in where we have other stores. So right now, we actually have stores open in Denver, Orlando, Boston, and D.C., in addition to the three we have here. And we're excited to go into places like Denver and Boston and D.C. and look for people that are similar, that have unique stories, that are doing cool things. And we're going to do the same thing there and tell their stories and and capture their uniqueness and authenticity. It's also really smart because it it localizes you in a way that makes it more personal, makes it more authentic while you're in that marketplace. Not everyone's going to know who Ann Kim is, but for the people that do... Right away, they're thinking Minnesota Connection, Minnesota Company. Yeah. You might be able to get that lift in another um, in another setting. How hard is it to compete in the eyeglass market like Zenny and Warby Parker and all these people? What makes you different? Because is it the... I mean, can everybody can design cool glasses now. Maybe yours are better. Maybe yeah. they're smarter. Maybe it's the marketing approach. Maybe it's the customer service. What is the difference? That's, yeah. I, and I, what's interesting is you would think every, anybody can design a cool pair of glasses. Yeah. I probably just totally just undersold your product. <laughs> no, no, no. No. It, uh, you know, it's like it's it's like building a pair of shoes. You know how complicated it is to build a pair of shoes to yes, make them comfortable? Yes, gla- but eyeglasses seem easier for whatever five, reason. It's five components, right? If you think about it, it's only five components. But think 
think about the importance of get capturing the right bridge for the majority of people's noses or making sure that the temple's long enough to match all sorts of different placement of ears. Yeah, because I do notice that people's eyeglasses a lot of times are ill-fitting over their ears. Exactly. And one small angle on the frame front can make a huge difference in how it looks on your face. It really is yeah. quite amazing. And then you take that, and we use a lot of acetate here, which is malleable. You heat it up, and you pop the lenses in. If the lens isn't perfectly cut for the frame, it'll distort the, the frame. Okay. So there's more to it than you'd think, and I, I've learned that over the years. But really what makes us different is our boldness. We, have, we, we love to mix col- different colors in glasses and have different frame fronts and use beautiful Italian acetates and combine it. Um, and there's also, a whole new metal line. We do have a metal I saw line, that yeah. yesterday, and yeah. that seemed, because I, I hadn't seen that from iBobs before. Yeah. I would say, so How you asked, how are we different than Zenny, and how are we different from Warby? Both great companies, right? They're awesome companies. Sure. They are doing some amazing things. We're a pro- product company that effectively markets our product. They're marketing companies that sell product. And there's a big difference in what you just said there, and I, I want the listener to really think about that for a second. Um, just as an example, I had a printing company. I was a marketer who happened to print. Right. Exactly. I was all marketing. The quality of the printing was good, but you know, there's a real craftsman in the printing world. That wasn't me. Yeah. We, so you're almost the reverse. Right. You are just really dedicated manufacturers and then you have to market after the fact. Yeah, and the reason why we do that here is because we are about framing personalities. Think about how, how important it is to find the perfect pair of glasses that you put on your face. If you would go to a lot of our comp- competitors, they yep. would, you'd put a pair of, on your face and they'd say, those look great. And then the next pair, they'd say, those look great. And then the next pair, they'd say, those look great too. Yeah. And what we do is we say, oh boy, bad choice. I said to the gal that was working with me yesterday, I said, I am terrible at picking glasses. The ones I like always look terrible on my face. And my husband's really the only one who can tell me what to get. So please be him since he's not here today. <laughs> she was like, oh, okay. Like, or that like, won't be a problem. That's yeah, what we she do. She was like, yeah, I, I, no problem. I'll tell you exactly. Like, nope, that's not a good color. Nope, that's not a good style. And that's important. I think that, that really, so we're a product company first and foremost that does really affect marketing in an, in an authentic way but also we aren't afraid to tell somebody those aren't for you yeah and because we also know how it's important what you put on your face there's nothing more personal so how do we we the people come in and they say i only wear round this happened to me when we opened our store in boston and i by no means am in the best framist i'm working on it i'm trying to sure to, to be better but you don't always have to know how to make the fries Mike. i know but i want to i want to know but i so i do a lot of observing but uh, she came in and she said, I only wear rectangle. I've been wearing glasses for 50 years. I'd only wear rectangle. Right. And she was very focused. So she was focused and she wouldn't listen. TV Party is one of my favorite frames. It's round. It's beautiful. Blue front, tortoise uh, temples. And I said, just try this on. Please just try it on for me. And she tried it on and she looked in the mirror. And she's like, oh, wow, those are those do look pretty good. And then we have this team selling where other people come in. Oh my gosh, those are the ones. And she's, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm a rectangle. And I said, I never do this, but I'm going to give you the TV party. And all I ask is if you call me or email me in 90 days and tell me which ones you're wearing more. And it was super exciting for us because she called in like 30 days and said, I don't even wear the rectangle ones. Oh, anymore. that's so funny. But there is, there really is an art yeah. to framing a personality. And I'm proud of the fact that that is, as we've gotten into retail, 
I'm so proud of the fact that that really has become our strength. We wanted it to become our strength. We believe we were better in that, and we have we really accomplished that here in our stores. Who's your target market? We really focus on people that are over 40. Um, that just be kind of historically has been our target with our readers. Um, but what's interesting now, having retail and having prescription, we're seeing it apply to everybody. It's not just the the 40-year-old reader uh, customer who's the first time. And then that's challenging because everyone is your market, basically. But we really speak to the people people that are over 45 um, and uh, in the demographic of a little bit higher income. Um, But what's exciting for us is our price points, I think you mentioned this earlier, are not in this, the four hundred to seven hundred dollar range no. for a pair of progressives. We're at two ninety nine, and we would put our product product against anybody's at that seven hundred dollar range. And you have other glasses. I think I took a picture. They started. Was it at ninety nine that most of them started in retail? Eighty nine, ninety nine, yeah. yeah, and above. Which I felt was really for the quality and the construction of the glasses. I felt like that was really reasonable. Yeah. Um, in the world, marketing is changing a lot. It is. So it used to be that you would buy television commercials, maybe you'd buy a radio schedule, maybe some direct mail. Now social media is in the mix with, you know, obviously Facebook for a 45-year-old plus demographic. You're probably all over that. Instagram coming online. How do you balance all of that marketing when you're just a small local company? Yeah, it's a great question. And I literally just before this meeting had a a conversation with one of our marketers about this topic. It's how do we decide? You know, it's exciting to think of a national ad campaign. And it's exciting to try to be in every medium and be everything to everybody. But what we're doing is we're focusing on the metros where we have stores right now. So you'll see a lot of activity in this market right now. We've We've taken over a train. Okay. One of the, the light rails. Yep. We, we have billboards now at Ridgedale. We're going to be in Minnesota Monthly. Um, there are all sorts of things that we're doing to test. And this is, gets back to your question about Norwest Equity Partners. They love it. They love the fact that we're doing it in a small scale where we have stores, testing it out. We're doing social. We're doing paid search. We're pay, doing paid uh, display ads. We're really trying to cast a wide net to figure out what works and then scale it once we've learned what works. And I think it's going to be a combination of all. I don't think it's going to be any one thing. We're also doing a Star Tribune mm-hmm. um, uh, ad as well. So literally we're trying new, old, you know, all many of the different mediums that are out there just to see what works. And the reality of today, though, what's interesting for us is the majority of our customers hear of us through word of mouth. And there's no better way. I mean, literally we do a net promoter score. I don't know if you've heard of net promoter I, score. I have, yeah. Yeah, simple question. Uh, would you recommend iBobs to a family member or friend? We ask that, and then the only other question we ask in our survey is, how did you hear about us? And the majority of the people still, with all of the advertising we've done in this city, say, I saw them on somebody's face, or a family member or friend told me about them. I love um, that premise as a former person who sold media. I was always <laughs> like, yeah, that's what the media does. We make media and then the people think that it's that a friend told them or they just <laughs> oh, came up with man. it on so their own because yes. it's layered right yes. so each thing you see or hear and always the question how did you hear about us yeah. i can't tell you how many campaigns i've been in where you say how did you hear about us and they would say like oh the star tribune we'd never ever done an ad in the star tribune <laughs> so i love that people when we do focus groups and targeting it really is the layers because it takes seven times 
to get that person to even be thinking did, about did, you. Did our marketing department pay you to no, say that? No, I just, I know a I'm little kidding. bit about marketing. I'm, I'm totally but, kidding. And it is, what I like about what you said about your campaign is that it's layered. Like there's lots of different yes. things. You know, it isn't just like, hey, we did this pop-up. It's, hey, we did this train. Because yeah. Out of Home is so weird. It is. It's super visual, really fantastic. It's everybody jazzed up. But it's hard to know, like, how does that translate to actually walking into my store over on Glenwood Avenue and buying a pair of eyeglasses? Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll speak a little bit to that. So I'm, I'm a traditional marketer in D to C. I want to attribute every, every expense to revenue. Of course. i got to see that. But we think about it differently here. And I think that's what the new – that's what you have to do in the new marketing kind of environment. You have to think about it as what's attributable and what isn't. And the what isn't is a brand building opportunity. Our, our awareness still is very low. Even in this market, talk to your friends, your family. Most of them probably haven't heard of iBobs. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. And we, we know we have to do a little bit of everything to be, have a presence. We also love sending catalogs. Catalogs attributable. If I send you a catalog, I know if you've bought or you haven't. We still have success with catalogs. Isn't that, I mean, let's just talk about that because you came from Land's End. So you know about catalogs. I I came from direct mail. One of the trends, and I sold my company. So full disclosure, I have no benefit (laughs) to say this anymore. However, one of the trends that they're seeing in direct mail and in catalog business is the young people, the millennials, love getting mail. They love catalogs. They love offers. So that that we're back to that old school way. And I love like going into a digital presentation and I'm talking about like how they can target the IP address at the household. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, we've been targeting households with mail <laughs> since exactly. the Pony Express, people. Exactly. This is exactly. not really new. And by the way, our mail gets in the house. Yeah, Your IP address, we don't necessarily know where it gets or how many people are on that IP address. And don't even get me started. But <laughs> I love that that kind of old school way is for a lot of people super successful well and i think you you said earlier how do you do it how do you sell against warby how do you sell against zenny how do you differentiate yourself at ibobs from everybody else that's what we have to do you here look right cooler. we have a catalog you deliver it cool and the catalog can represent who we are much yeah. more effectively than a paid search ad yep or an email and it's that it's just that in the marketing team our marketing team has done a phenomenal job in the last year of bringing the kind of elevating our brand and then representing it, representing it effect so effectively in all mediums. But I think it really comes to life in the catalog. Yeah, you and get particularly the catalog, if you know who your people are. Yeah, and it, it becomes more about the editorial content sure. to represent the brand than it does about having 550 images of product. It becomes much more about representing the brand because we are a product company. But we also know that just having products and not having the names of our products and the Meet the Makers campaign and the Practice Safe Specs campaign, yeah. all of that, it's just a product, right? But it's the essence of all of it together that makes me want to wear iBobs. It's not just the way it looks on my face, but I'm proud to say I wear iBobs. And, and our customers do say that. It's amazing. Yeah. They're proud to be iBobs customers. It's kind of that subtle, you know, really, nobody really knows about it. But and it's kind of a of cheeky iBobs? brand. It is. Like you have some opportunities there that you're not going to get with, you know, the glasses you got at Pearl Vision, right? Yeah. Um, all right, so are you looking at any events or pop-ups or those kind of things oh, that day. retail is so excited about? Yeah, we are, um, and we're looking for opportunities. We did a Super Bowl pop-up when the Super Bowl was here. We had the opportunity to, to be in uh, downtown uh-huh. in the Minnesota-focused uh, pop-up, and we still have customers that come in today and say, 
Oh, I, I I learned about you guys at the Super Bowl. It's crazy how those maker markets can really drive traffic. What's funny is a lot of those makers don't have stores. Right. And then after those pop-ups, people are so frustrated because they can't find them in a store. Yeah. You kind of have the reverse. Yeah, and it, we're we're scrappy. We're a scrappy organization, and but we're also trying to do things differently. We don't assume that we're going to go to market the way they did five years ago. Right. Julie set us on the right path long ago. Her vision for this company is still very much about what kind of what what guides us. But at the end of the day, we're about trying new things. We're setting up pop-up shops. Don't tell anybody, but we may not ask for permission. We may just set them up, but just because we can, right? Yeah. And we'll ask for forgiveness, not permission. We have market champions in each one of our markets, and their sole purpose in life is building awareness. They're, they're employees of iBobs, and they're working with our wholesale partners to do pop-ups in their stores, mm-hmm. trunk shows, which is an old term, which kind of it still applies, but it seems like it should be you know modernized. Um, we do they do events at condominiums, or they'll do events in our stores. Oh yeah, and their sole purpose is to go build awareness in very unique and novel ways. I can tell you that they come back with ideas almost weekly, and I'm not sure we've ever said no to one of them um, because this is how you market. This yeah, is not about. Cool. Not many people are are doing the things that we're doing. And we're not going to, you know, some things work, some things don't. We're going to celebrate the ones that do, and we're going to learn from the ones that don't. And really trying to, like I said earlier, own the markets rather than own everything. Trying to do a national campaign is not what we're doing. All right. I'm going to end this podcast by telling you a story that you don't know that I know. Cool. Um, I worked with a woman who invited me to go to the Shakopee Valley Women's Prison. And... I was like, okay, why do you want me to go? She's like, I don't know. She's like, I just think that you are a person that knows a lot of people. They're always trying to get new experienced people in the communities into the prisons to help people learn about them. And I'm taking a group of four women. Do you want to go into the prison system with me? I was like, yes, I do. This will be great. I get to the parking lot and we're with, um, I can't remember the woman's name. I'm totally drawing a blank, but she runs the Unprison Project. Hmm. And the goal of the Unprison Project is to go into the prisons and help the women get skills so that once they're out of prison, they can remake their lives and not keep making these same mistakes that have led them into prison. Sure. So we go through, if, I don't know if you've ever been to a prison. I never had. I get like my strip searched and you get everything checked and you get into the prison. And we went into the prison and we went into the library and we went and we walked all around. We went into the lunchroom and we got to the area where they do their work. And many of these prisoners are working. They get a reduced hourly wage. It's pretty small, actually. But then they put that money in the bank for them so that when they get out, they've amassed some money. So we get to the um, the working area. And these are all women that most of them were in their mid-30s on up, right? Shakopee Valley Women's Prison, it's not uh, it's a lighter crime prison. I don't know what you call that, but it's not like a federal penitentiary necessarily. Yes. So we get to the prison and we get into the manufacturing plant and they're making these Mylar balloons. And I'm looking at them and we're talking to this woman who leads the on-prison project. And she said, do you notice anything? A lot of these women had glasses that were broken, that like a, a... I don't know what the arm of the glasses were missing. Many of them had these readers that they were pulling on and off their faces. And they were doing this handwork with these really crappy glasses. Well, 
part of what we were doing there that day was there had been a secret donation of IBOPs. They were purple glasses. And maybe these were the glasses from something that I don't, do you know about this story? Okay. Yeah. So they told me, you know, please don't tell anybody about this. And this was a few years ago, Mm -hmm. but you know, the person that made this donation just wanted to really help. So we got the opportunity to bring these glasses into the prison system and to give them to these workers while they were sitting in their stations doing their work. Yeah. You cannot, I'm all, I could choke up just telling you about it. It was the most fitting them, like giving them these glasses that were just these, your readers, your, your extras. Yeah. Was changing so many of their yeah. lives right before our very eyes. Yeah, so it's it, it, what a wonderful thing, and it we, was fantastic. We, you know, I think, and the marketing team sometimes like gives me an elbow and, and gets angry about it. But I do think a lot of companies try to profit at times and market what they're doing from a philanthropic yeah. perspective. That's not who we are. You know, no. I, and I, I now it's going to sound like I'm trying to profit from it because you asked the question, but we do that all the time. We literally similar story about three weeks ago. We got, um, and I got a letter, a hand like a typed out letter. When's the last time you got a letter from the uh, Las Vegas court system, and said that one of our biggest problems is we have elderly people come in as witnesses and they can't read the things that are handed to them to read. So we sent them a box of of, yeah. of uh, readers and. The letter I got back from the individual that requested it was, you've changed people's lives. Yeah, and, truly, and it's it, like it, such a small thing. But but think about it. It's demeaning, right? It's, I can't read. I oh, This is uncomfortable. But it, you're again, you're confident. I can read. And you want to do a good go job. You want to do, do your work, work yeah. your hand work to the best yeah. of your ability. And yet you're in prison and you don't have the opportunity to buy new eyeglasses. So this may be a risk. But I'd love for people, if there's an opportunity out there to do similar things, to please reach out to us. Yeah. We'd love to participate in that. And the, what you said is really important. We're not doing it to profit from it. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And we have the ability to do it here, which is a wonderful opportunity for us to do those kind of things, isn't it? I mean, think about that. Yes. It's, and I'm so glad that I got to tell you the story yeah. because I actually did write Julie a note. Yeah. And just said, you don't know me. This is the experience I had. And I'm not supposed to say anything. But just from you to me, I wanted yeah. her to know. And she started that. That's That was her idea from start to finish. It has made a huge so. difference down at the Shakopee Valley Women's Prison. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. Oh, of course. All right. So that's a good note. We should leave on that. I Hi. love it. I, yeah, great to meet you. Yeah, thank great you to meet you. Time. Congratulations. And I'm curious, excited, and anticipating what is going to be happening in the next, I don't know, 18 to 24 months for iBobs. We'll see you around. It's going to be big. Thank you.